forgive me is all that you can say years go by and still words don't come easily like forgive me forgive me but you can say baby baby can i hold you tonight maybe if i told you the right words mm, at the right time you'll be mine yeah gang 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 gucci gang gucci gang 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 yeah hello hello divas and divos that was well we'll get to what that was in a moment but this is cake and kombucha welcome to episode 21 21 is that how is that how you say it in spanish i don't i don't know how to count that high in spanish but um claro que si bienvenidos y cake and kombucha Toros is uh, welcome here. We I, This is not a bilingual podcast. I'm just a clown. But um, this is a place where we convene to discuss current events, the news, politics, what's funny in life. You know, the kombucha is kind of the more serious, thought-provoking subject matter. And the cake gives me the allowance to act a fool and, you know, poke fun at the things that are you know, from the minor to the, you know, just whatever. I got some weird stories. Some weird things happened to me this week. Um, I'm your host, Kalechi Azia. And if you are joining us for the second time, if this is the first time you've got past the singing, subscribe. Just subscribe so the option is there. And please leave a review. It helps me keep track of who's listening. I keep meeting new people who tell me they listen and I didn't know. And it, it just warms my heart. So please subscribe. And I would, I want to start a dialogue. I want to know what you guys are thinking. I know what some of you guys are, but then I know like what content to add. So anyway, that opening you just heard was Tracy Chapman, Baby Can I Hold You Tonight. Um, I just woke up from a three-hour nap. Um, it wasn't supposed to be that long. So this is now the quiet storm. Um, but, you know, my body obviously needed it because, honey, I was out. Like, you know when you have a nap? It's supposed to be like 15 minutes, but you're like in deep REM sleep. Like I have had mad dreams. So clearly my body was trying to tell me something, but I I woke up with some old tea on my heart. Um, I had listened to Tracy Chapman, been listening to her for a couple of days now. And it reminded me of that case. So I Googled it, uh, which is that she uh, sued Nicki Minaj. Now, I don't want no smoke with any of the barbs. I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm not saying that I'm scared. I'm just saying that I'm scared. I don't want to get doxxed. Although if you tell people where I live and I have to move for safety, honestly, that would probably just upgrade my life at this point. But that's another story now for today. Um, so she, Tracy Chapman sued Nicki Minaj for plagiarism. Now, usually in these plagiarism cases, there's kind of two modes. I feel like there's the ones where audi- auditorily, auditory, audibly, orally, orally, with the A-U-R-A-L, you can hear the similarities very clearly. And then there are also the ones that kind of take more of a musician to really notice like, oh, 
they copied the same rhythm like exactly and a, an in- interesting part is legally it's not as much always how it sounds but it is what the original like sheet music looks like when so re- comparing the sheet music written down so there are some loopholes people can get out of if some sometimes something reminds you of something else but it's not exactly like written in stone that it's the same thing and written in stone be written in sheet music so like remember um what is that song uh if you can't say what i trying to say when robin thick cut his hair off and started acting a hot mess he was way better as a long-haired hippie i used to stand for him in high school um but that when I heard that song, Blurred Lines, come on the radio, I literally thought, oh, someone did a remake of Marvin Gaye, Got to Give It Up. Like, I wasn't like, oh, this sounds like this. I was like, this is this. So I was shocked later when it was kind of up for debate at all whether he copied. But that was, I don't know. That's just how my ear works. That's how, you know, to me, that song sounded exactly like that. But with this um, Tracy Chapman thing, it's not even the the song sound it is the lyrics were copied exactly you could google the legal document and it says plaintiff it's like plaintiff's original composition uh defendant's composition and it literally just says the word the chorus to the the song the Nicki Minaj song is is just the, the words to the Tracy Chapman song. Forgive me is all that you can say. Can't say, sorry. Years gone by and still words don't come easily. Like, forgive me, but you can say, baby, baby, can I hold you tonight? Those are the the exact words to that song are the words to the Nicki Minaj composition. Now, Nicki didn't write it. So she was like, I have no idea that that was on there. And, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was just like, wow. So... No shade if you don't write. I would have a whole team helping write stuff for me too. Please, are you kidding? Get money. But I just don't understand, you know, a lot of these rappers and the whole like mumble rap and everything that's happening right now is is driven by like 17, 18, 19, 20 year olds. These are the new people making beats like on their iPhone and shit. So I feel like someone who wrote this for her was just like, it's this song. It's from 1988. No one who was alive then is still alive now so I can just put this whole song in the new song and and Nikki was like I hadn't you know of course handle it the way you would anything right with social media tweeting like I had no intention of disrespecting this queen Tracy Chapman and but then she was begging her to still use the song and Tracy said no now to be honest, I wish Tracy had kept that same energy with some remakes of Fast Car that I've heard that I'm just like, <laughs> not needed. But, uh, you know, she didn't want her li- either. She felt bad at Lee and was turned off by the way it went down. Or she just was like, let me not put my great lyrics in the midst of some other stuff that has no rhyme or meter. Because it did not. Like, everything else around the song except those phrases was basically incoherent. And I think that's, so I don't know if Tracy like is down on rap in general. I feel like there's probably people who she would like let sample her songs. I'm sure she has let rappers sample, but that was a hot mess and was funny. So I have like some more cake discussions today. Just some stuff that I've been going through. (sighs) My commute. Sometimes I feel like I can't do it and it's not even long. It's just that people are so annoying and I attract the crazy. I really do. Like 
I have this big oversized um, shoulder bag, right? And so shout out to Liz and Ryan. Liz and Ryan needs help show at the pit. I was a guest on the show, a helper on the show on Monday. And so I went to work with a full ass like hand steamer in my bag, my computer. I didn't know what I was going to wear after work. I, you know, that work after evening transition. So my bag is packed, right? And you know, when it kind of is like weighing your shoulder down and it's kind of leaning to the back of you, cause that's the only way you could stay in balance. Boom. Okay. So I also do this thing in getting ready for work when I kind of give up, like you have the best intentions of leaving at a certain time. But once you realize that you're not you almost slow down even slower than if you didn't have somewhere to go. And so that is to say that it was like 9.30 or something on the train. Like I usually try to get to work when my bosses are there. I'll even start working at home. I'm an executive assistant for my day job. So I'll start working at home sometimes and like, you know, I'll do stuff from the computer, but like I, sometimes the train is just like, it's a lot for me. So it wasn't crowded because I've timed it this way. However, you know, self, you know, however fatalistically or not, I've timed it. So I'm on the train at like 9.30, 9.45. This isn't rush hour anymore, right? Boom. Okay. So I'm standing in front of this cute, you know, baby and couple, minding my business, leaning, you know, I'm not standing like super close to the people in front of me, but I'm definitely like tightly pressed. I don't do that thing where I lean on the side rail and, you know, let my body be right in the middle rail. I leave a full space so that someone could be on the middle pole too, because I'm a considerate person, but this lady didn't think so. This woman pressed her body like up against me and was like, ma'am, ma'am, your bag is pressing into me, ma'am, your bag is pressing into me. And I said, no, no, not today. Not today, Satan. How this, the train wasn't crowded. So she had decided to do like exactly what I don't do, not commit to being like on the side or in the middle. So she's kind of in the middle, but uh, which she could have been totally clear for, but pressing her body against mine. Like it was harassment. If it was a dude, I literally might've had to cold cock them. I was just like, look, ma'am. I was like, my bag has been the same place on my shoulder from my whole walk to the train this morning, I'm the one inconvenienced by it being heavy and big, not you. You can move. And she just stood there behind me and said, ma'am, ma'am, you're not being considerate, ma'am. I would do it for you. I would do it for you. And I just, I didn't even engage. I didn't engage any further. I didn't look. I and Maxine Waters, I don't have time. I'm reclaiming it. So I, I kind of think I said that. I was like, I just don't have time. Like when I say I don't have time in the morning, I really mean it. I can't do this with you right now. I know that there are vampires, energy vampires, strange people. I need to get out my citronella for the weird and, and light a candle around me and burn some sage. But I just rebuke it. I rebuke it. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm like imploring you all of you who might be listening that like to harass people, I just don't, just, you could do it in the afternoon. I'm game. I'm more fun then. Just in the morning, I just want to stand there, okay? I, my shoulder hurts. My back is heavy. Okay, so history continues to repeat itself. Um, 
I feel like I've addressed so many things in the show so many times, like blackface. Like specifically, I have another like Chinese incident, not Chinese incident. I'm sorry. Wow. Chinese restaurant incident that I need to discuss. So a new entrepreneur who's getting predictably dragged, easily preventably dragged on the internet right now is Allison. Well, I don't know her name, but she doesn't really deserve we gonna call her Allison. She is a nutritionist who developed this restaurant called Lucky Lee, which is a clean eating version of Chinese food, which would combine her healthy eating focus with her love of Chinese American food. Now, I... <laughs> you already know this didn't go well. Oh, I, okay, wait, look, on Time Magazine, yes, I was right. I didn't cover three of these incidents, but I covered the other one. They said, for the third time, just a shady open, baby. This is Andrew Chow for Time Magazine. For the third time in the last six months, an Asian restaurant created by white owners with the word lucky in its name has drawn criticism for cultural appropriation or insensitivity. Girl, like, you don't have to... Why would you call your Asian, your restaurant lucky? There are so many Asian fusion restaurants. Like Asian food is so varied and different and there's so many great flavors and like globally just like there's a lot of things in Asian food flavors that go well with other, you know, I think it's there's just fun to fuse things. Spice 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 spice. Gang 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 gang. Like you don't have to call it Lucky Lee's. You're just wrong. You don't have to make up this Asian face character to sell your food. So right on its face, someone could have stopped you right there. Like, stop it. You would be equally wrong if you, like, opened a soul food restaurant and named it, like, Joyful Aunt, Joyful Aunt Bertha with the neck rolls. You don't have to create a character, a caricature, a character to sell your food. And I don't know how you don't know anyone who told you that would not go well. Also, do you read anything? Because... Like, like homeboy said, two restaurants already called themselves lucky. The Gordon Ramsay one and then the Andrew Zimmern fail, like crashed and burned. So, okay. She says, you know, that her restaurant is clean eating. She says, we're not using traditional ingredients like MSG, grease, starch, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, these are like loaded words, you know, the Chinese restaurant industry, it's it's something that was created in America by immigrants who were pushed out of other industries and they started making food that Americans like and they made it whatever sugar and extra shit that's in there is because that's what we eat here, A. So like, A number one. And B, like, it's, you know, there's the whole issue of MSG and how that was kind of racialized and sent people into a panic. Very interesting story. You should look it up about how the doctor that originally said he found MSG like cause harm in patients may have been a hoax. So there was a guy that claimed he, he claimed that he wrote the letter and then died. And then it was found afterwards that he lied about writing the letter. It, it was very interesting. Now for me personally, I have found that MSG actually does give me migraines, but I think I might be in the minority of the population. And I'm also allergic to, like, like I'm have no fatal allergies. Like my, my dear sisters have like nut allergies, wheat. I'm allergic to like every environmental factor you can think I have IBS. So I have like a host of other issues that are like extremely inconvenient, but not like, I'm not going to die. So, I mean, I don't know if I'm the one to go to about that anyway. 
Her last name, let's see, Haspel, who is white and from New York, has run a food company for 10 years. She modifies recipes across cuisines to make them healthier and more accessible to those with dietary restrictions. Like, I, look, I love a low-calorie, you know, a low-calorie John, okay? The idea of a nutritionist making some send-up of tasty food, tasty, like fast food type food is not a bad idea at all. There's nothing wrong with this idea, but what's wrong is the name. And what's wrong is setting yourself up as clean, pure, the white, you know, all of those words that cleanliness and purity evokes. And then what is the opposite of that? Right? So she has kind of fallen into the mind, a minefield, stepped into a minefield. And I feel like some of it is also because of our clean eating culture, like fallacious, like clean eating. What does that really mean? You know, no preservatives, no this, no that. Um, it's, it gets icky. And I've said before how we, I think our diet language in the United States is very problematic. And if you call something clean, then that's calling the other thing dirty. And what kind of people eat, you know, dirty food? Is it the people that can't afford to get all organic everything? Like, do you see where I'm going with this? So now we have something else that's connected with purity and what is good that is inaccessible to a lot of people and also just kind of questionable, right? Because like unmodified white rice, that's clean. But if you are diabetic, you can't, you're not supposed to be eating a bunch of that. So again, we go back to the idea that everything that's in the environment does not mean that it's you know, good for you and everything clean or whatever doesn't mean you should just shove it, shove it down. Um, so I think that was just a mistake. And I think that if we could really get back to the basics, which is that people are paranoid about their health, but let's, we mask all this wellness stuff. We still care about our weight for the cause, same cosmetic reasons, just as much as we did in, you know, the eighties where I'm, I wasn't really alive for, but I, I, you know, it's like a time where, oh, you know, I was like a toddler, but like the time where they we cared a lot about diets and it was just more acceptable to say like, I'm reducing, darling, I'm on a diet, honey. Oh yes, lettuce, lettuce and grapefruit, you know? So we, it, it's just become the same thing with a different name. So what I'm saying, if this bitch had said, look, here's a Weight Watchers Points restaurant. Here's the recipes from the book. Get you some chicken and broccoli. Get you some egg rolls for 200 calories. I'd be like, hey, bitch, yes. Because we know that regular fast food is not calibrated so that you can eat large quantities of it for a like reasonable caloric uh, input for whatever that is for you for that day. They're just not, you know, so if you eat them every day, it's, it's probably you're going to end up buying fashion over curve, which I do, but I have returned it. And I will talk more about that too. But yeah, I just wish if people could be honest in their intentions, um, and not use this cloaking language of wellness and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, because some people are allergic to nuts doesn't, you know, I love that this is a nut free place for my sisters who are allergic for nuts, right? To nuts, right? But like the nuts are not an unclean ingredient. So she's throwing a bunch of different things together, food sensitivities, gluten sensitivities, da, 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 da. And so then there's like cauliflower, uh, you know, orange, she called it baked orange cauliflower. I'm like, hunty, you also needed to have someone sit down with you to talk about the name too. Like, you don't have to say it's baked in the name. If we know the whole restaurant's like 
that's the theme. It's like health food. Then you could have just called it like orange cauliflower and like we would have just went with the orange chicken. So, but then I'm just like, is, is meat, are we allergic to meat too? Like, what are we? Are we vegan? Are we, you know, vegetarian? Are we allergies? It just is a lot of different things. Okay. I'm being kind of generous, like focusing on the food part. I don't know if I have that much to say about the racial appropriation part, cultural appropriation part. It's just, it's not the fact that you specialize in food that was not your ethnicity. Like she's pointing out that lots of chefs do that. We love the fact that we have the freedom now to cook anything we want. Bitch, are you Nelson Mandela? Like, don't evoke, like, freedom. Like, nobody oppressed you. I, I don't understand why she's surprised. Like, she keeps saying that she's surprised. How, how can you be surprised when a similar thing happened three times before you, right before you open a business? Restaurants are so expensive. So much research should go into opening them. I don't get it. So a lot of the issues for her started on her Instagram, which is how, you know, a lot of food, especially cute New York food is marketed. And it would, you know, she'd show her recipes and say stuff like, our lo mein doesn't feel, leave you feeling nasty like the other lo mein. And that gross icky, she used the word icky. Now people didn't like that, the word icky. You don't have to juxtapose your food <clears throat> against this other thing and malign this other thing. And I don't understand the lack of self-awareness that people will be offended by that. It kind of suggests that you didn't intend to sell any of your food for Chinese people, which is stupid because you're at university place. So you're surrounded by like a lot of NYU students and stuff. You know, it's just, you have to laugh because these things keep happening. So here's what she said on Instagram. A number of comments have stated that by saying our Chinese food is made with clean cooking techniques and it makes you feel great that we are commenting negatively on all Chinese food. When we talk about our food, we are not talking about other restaurants. We are only talking about Lucky Lee's. Chinese cuisine is incredibly diverse and comes in many different flavors, usually delicious in our opinion, and health benefits. Every restaurant has the right to tout the positives of its food. We plan to continue communicating that our food is great, made with high-quality ingredients and techniques that are intended to make you feel great. Chef owner Ariel's husband's name is Lee, and his lifelong love of Chinese food was inspiration for the concept. The name Lucky Lee's reflects the story of how the recipes were conceived. No, it doesn't. I really don't believe your, your husband's nickname is Lucky. You named it Lucky because that's like a thing that you thought was Chinese. She also said somewhere that the restaurant incorporated other like Chinese elements, like jade colored like countertops. Um, so I don't even know if I have to go on any further. I just, I just wish that people would call me first. I wish people would call me first because I'd be like, hey, girl. You know, I don't know if you've never opened the interwebs on like any food related blogs since this is your industry, but you know, two other chefs who are way more famous than you recently had a large problem like this. Um, hey girl, just say your recipes are low calorie, but maybe they're not. That's the other gag. Cause what are people really saying with this stuff? Like, Hey, I'm giving you cauliflower, but I'm going to bread it in, um, you know, what's a gluten-free, like in corn flour and deep fry it in, in non-GMO corn flour and deep fry it, you know, so then it's not always healthier than anything else. These things are, it's so murky. It's so murky, but I just thought this was fun. It reminded me of that woman that opened that bar in Brooklyn 
where she had, there were holes in the wall that were from construction, but she said that it was bullet holes that were, was character. And she was selling 40 ounce rosé. Um, and the black community was not having it. And it's like, but why? Why is everyone so mad? Because obvious. Because obvious things. That's why everyone's mad. Hi, I'm nutritionist Lisa Evans, a born and bred New Yorker. New York City is a melting pot of culinary cuisines. I myself have fond memories of growing up eating African-American traditional foods like Popeye's, KFC, and Cheetos Flaming Hots. However, these foods, while delicious, would leave me a slight aftertaste of, um, poverty. So I decided to see what I could do about it. And I am proud to say that I'm opening my own soul food restaurant with nutritionally balanced options. Joyful on Bertha with the Neck Rolls is a gluten, soy, MSG, salt, water, seasoning, and spice-free soul food restaurant. Here, we make classic soul food favorites like sweet potatoes with nothing on them, fried chicken breast, which are breast dipped in fat-free yogurt and cauliflower dust, and we then steam fry them, which means we steam them, but then we use heavy quotation marks with our fingers when we say fried, fried. We also have fishless fish and grits in a tomato-less tomato sauce because tomatoes are a nightshade that cause inflammation and our spelt biscuits. They are entirely fat-free and may look a little weird because they don't rise, but these hockey pucks are made with love. At Joyful on Bertha with the Neck Rolls, we have eliminated everything that could ever trigger any allergic reactions in anyone. This means our beautiful menu, highly curated with three choices that do not rotate every day, is sure to satisfy all. At Joyful on Bertha with the Neck Rolls, we not only serve you three choices of healthy food, but we also serve you ambiance. We always have a loud black woman wearing a headscarf in residence, singing Negro spirituals and whipping up cornbread batter. That cornbread batter is then sent out to other restaurants that serve cornbread, because we don't. On Saturday nights, the lady from the Popeye's commercial will come by to say, Chicken! We can't wait to have you with us in our beautiful, clean eating, soul food space. So stop by Soha today, meaning South Harlem. Look, look, some fool named Steven Mnuchin had the unmitigated gall to try to disrespect Auntie Maxine again. And I don't know who is going to tell them. Who will tell the masses that Auntie Maxine will drag you from the beginning of your edges before you ever put a product in them and pulled your ponytail too tight to the end when your edges are gone, when it looks like a barren cornfield, when it looks like a crop circle? Who is going to tell these people not to come for her? I don't know why they keep trying her. I think some people just like to argue. You know, so I feel like that sometimes. I'm like, are you flirting with me? Because you could have just left me alone. Like the woman on the train. Stop touching my bag. Your bag is poking into me. Ma'am, ma'am. Like, you're flirting with me. Leave me alone. Yo, Auntie Maxine got Steve Mnuchin together. Before I get into that, I really need 
an accountability partner because I don't remember if I already told you guys about how I did um, see Maxine Waters at Abyssinian Church. My dear friend has this beautiful, beautiful blessing of a chunky, delicious baby, and he was getting baptized, and Auntie Maxine was there that day. She gave you the sermon of life. It was just unapologetically her. She was like, look, I don't read the Bible that much, but I read it yesterday in preparation for this visit. (laughs) She really gave us a political lesson of exactly what she does. She reminded us why she works so hard. She talked about banks and subprime loans and how they've ripped, stripped wealth purposely from the black community and the things that she's standing up for. She said, look, people be sending me death threats and I'm just going to say my connection to God is that like, I'm still here. I'm not scared. Let them try. She said, I, I don't care about being a loud woman. I, what did she say? She said something like you have to, you know, be, be like appropriate, but always have some street in you something, but she's not here for your mess. And I love this new generation, even though she's 80, I think God bless her of being an angry black woman or like my sister, my older sister calls herself an internet loudmouth. Like I am fired up about the things that we need to be fired up about and you should be fired up about them too. You are going to talk to me the right way and you aren't going to waste my time because I will reclaim it. It was, it was just so moving. And in addition to being a congresswoman for 25 years and absolutely knowing what she's talking about in every instance, she She has this just amazing personality, this amazingly confident personality that we could only just aspire to have. And she's completely, completely okay with making people feel uncomfortable, which is where I aspire to be. I really, I love the world. I love people, but I want people to feel as uncomfortable as they make me if you try me. And she's like, why? Don't do it. So today, Steve Mnuchin was testifying before the House Financial Services Committee, of which Maxine Water is the chair. And this is about Democrats wanting to finally have Donald Trump's mysterious ass tax returns. Um, He told Ms. Waters that he had another meeting to go to and he would be late, which as an executive assistant, no. No, no, you didn't schedule another meeting 15 minutes after the day you had to testify before the House committee. And if you did, you would cancel it. I, I mean, I cancel people all the time. Like, I, I do not believe this. It is bullshit and just disrespectful. So he told her that he had some dignitary that he had to go see and he had another appointment. And I'm just going to play you what she said because I can't replicate it. Like, these are terse terse, deliciously uncomfortable exchanges. I I watched it like five times and I've just been laughing. So let me play for you right now. I, I just don't believe we're sitting here negotiating when I come back. We'll follow up with your office. How long would you like me to come back for next time? I've told you I'll accommodate you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate your uh, reminding us of the length of time other uh, secretaries have been here. This is a new way and it's a new day. And it's a new chair, and I have the gavel at this point. If you wish to leave, you may. Can you clarify that for me? Yes, clarify. If you wish to leave, you may. Okay, so we're we're dismissed. Is that correct? If you wish to leave, you may leave. I, I don't understand what you're saying. No, but you do understand what she's saying. She said, if you wish to leave, you may leave. If 
you wish to leave, you may leave. So this was a hilarious, I have watched this so many times and I, I implore you to watch it too. You just have to see the facial expressions and the eyes of the people sitting behind them in either camp. But he wanted her to, um, he wanted her to like bang the gavel and, and say that the whole session was dismissed because he had to go, but he wouldn't take ownership for the fact that he was lying, being ridiculous. Like who does that? Whatever for indignity. Like, what are you talking about, sir? So he wanted it both ways. And it was that standoff that you have with like your mom when it's like, Oh, try it and see what happens. He is trying to bully her into doing what he wants. Um, and he says, you know, I have written down on this piece of paper, which is like, how extra? Like, you basically went to contribute nothing, but you just like, it's it shows that you just went to like give FaceTime if you really did this. But he says, I have written on a piece of paper how long the other se- secretaries, you know, stayed the here, three hours and 15 minutes. And so no one has kept been kept as long as he has by like 10 minutes. And she said smoothly, Thank you. Thank you so much for reminding us. And you know what? I'll tell you also that no other secretary has told us that he had an appointment immediately after that he had scheduled the day before his hearing. So just, it's great to, um, if you are going to point out similarities, then it needs to be similar in all aspects. Something to that effect. And I live, I live for logic, right? I live for logic. And it's, and we have people like, who is that a brunette with no credentials on The View right now? I don't remember. Let me, I don't know. I don't, it's not that I don't remember. I never knew her name. Just some of these people just be popping up on there. But she was saying that with, to Sonny Hostin that she doesn't think that Maxine Waters is an example of like a role model who's unifying or whatever. And like, let's not do this trite bullshit, okay? Unifying. You don't have to listen to nonsense and bullshit from some charlatans and criminals and just smile and take it to be unifying. We don't want to be unified with you. I don't want to be unified with certain people. So because Maxine isn't smiling in people's face when they say like things like, I scheduled an appointment immediately after you asked me about the shit I'm hiding in, you know, in the president's taxes and like shady crap when I am, she's on the financial, financial house committee. And this is what she does. And you're going to say stuff like, it's just, you know, the point is that you have friendly exchanges. Maxine is like me. Like I, I, I will scrap with people who are acts, act it, you know, like if you act right, she wouldn't have anything to read you and drag you about, but she's not going to sit there and let you make some false equivalencies, insincerely bring up that other people only stayed for a certain amount of time as if it's like a baby shower or a tea party and not something extremely important. Like, And so then as a woman, you get labeled as combative for stuff like that. It was awesomely combative. Thank you for the combat. Like, love it. Um, then this man had the nerve to tell her to try to tell her to, I'm going to just let you hear it. Cause it's, ooh. I've told you as I thought it was respectful that you'd let me leave at five fifteen. You are free to leave any time you want. Time. You okay, may go well then, uh, anytime please, you want. Please, please dismiss everybody. I believe you're supposed to take the gravel and, and bang it. That's please do not instruct me as to how I'm to conduct this committee. Who are you talking to? That is my question. Who do you think you're talking to? 
you and then you know Trump has set the the bar for disrespecting this woman like this, calling her low IQ and low intelligent, which is like the joke of the century. But the part of the argument that I didn't play for you was when he said, just being a petulant child, fine, I will sit here and stay. Fine. Do you want me to miss my appointment? I'll miss my appointment. I'll miss my appointment. I'll stay here, but then I'm not coming back after that. And she said, thank you. Now would the next person please step up for their question? And he said, so you're making me stay. So you're making me stay. Stop playing, like, stop playing games. And he was like, you're forcing, let it be known, you're forcing me. And she said, you, uh, you offered and I took you up on your offer. Like, you, you just, it was just a fabulous example of a man, like, not getting what he wants and he's used to it and just being bitchy, being whiny and not able to straight either leave or don't leave. But you can't leave and not have everyone feel some kind of way, like you're a trash disrespectful, unprofessional, and shady person who's hiding something. You don't get to leave and control the narrative of how everybody feels about you leaving and then threaten them to stay, but you're not come back. And then they're like, sure, fine, let's do that. And then you're like, just kidding. I didn't really mean it. I really want to leave, but I just want, you know, everyone to be okay with it. And then you're going to tell her to bang the gravel. No, honey, no, 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 no. You cannot be shady and not know what words mean. You can't, it cannot be done. She doesn't have a gravel to bang, sweetheart. She has a gavel, okay? I'm dead. Like, I guess there are levels to how much you can attack someone because I just wish Auntie could have dragged him for that. But he, you're trying to make a quip and you told homie to bang the gravel? You're dismissed. Case dismissed. I guess we can just continue the theme of disrespectful Republicans. I feel like I never wanted to have a show where I talked about The View a lot. There's nothing wrong with The View. I mean, it came on. I mean, I couldn't really watch it ever. I was in school or working. So, like, it was not a thing. You know, I I was kind of, even before Twitter and yada, 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 it was kind of thing you always became aware of for at least for my demographic afterwards with like when fights happened. So, you know, it's just Megan McCain. She's just being so annoying. And I used to kind of like her mainly because she was just a representation of a chunky woman on TV who seemed to be like pretty confident and like not think it was an issue. And we don't, there's not that many like thick correspondence on television. Um, And, you know, she seemed kind of like, Republican in a way that was palatable enough. Like she doesn't believe in the really heinous parts and just is like, I'm what my dad is and taxes suck, which is, was what I was more used to before, you know, Republicans wanted to start just completely aligning themselves with white nationalism and hate groups, which we'll get to probably next. But she's just being obnoxious recently And by recently, I mean probably forever. I guess, like I said, I just didn't know. But she really disrespected Joy Behar. They were talking about Kristen Nielsen stepping down or being thrown out into the gutter, as Trump likes to do with his cabinet members, um, from the head of Homeland Security. And, like, she was just going on and on, as she does with her navel-gazing and partial facts about how, you know, people think that this border crisis... Is just a made up thing, but it's not. It's one of the things that my friends who live in those states really care about. So I'm going to say right now, that doesn't mean that it's a crisis. Your friends don't mean that. And also it's not a crisis because it 
has literally not been described as a crisis by the people who, you know, the crisis is that people are, are in the other countries that people are fleeing from that are having incredible violence and economic instability. But for us, no crisis has been created except that we just don't like brown people, which I'll say again. So no one agrees with you on that, who actually counts and stuff like that. More people were coming across the border in the early 2000s than now. So there's been an uptick, but it still doesn't match what it used to be. This is all just how you look at it. And also as someone who has spent significant time in El Paso, I could see how it would be scary for a white person. And I say that completely tongue in cheek. And I mean, certain types of white people. But what I mean is those cities by the border are brown and you do look like a minority if you're not. And so I, it became so clear to me when I visited, I was just like, oh, y'all just don't, you just don't like parts of America becoming like really non-white, like, which is ironic because all of these parts we're talking about were Mexico. And, you know, if we really didn't have a statute of limitations for theft and colonialism, we just have to give a whole bunch of shit back. Thank you, Cory Booker. We'll also talk about that for a hot minute. So I was making an allusion to his, um, he wants to set up a committee to actually do research into reparations instead of being like, I don't think it seems complicated. <sighs> Thank you. Thanks team light skin for the win. Um, so I don't know. I just, I had this really strong feeling when I visited El Paso and was there for like a week and I was like, wow, like, this just doesn't look like any, it doesn't look like the East Coast. And so they really are dealing with something over there. But what they're not dealing with is people like running around and like killing everyone. Because that's just not the first thing that refugees like do when they get someplace new. They they kind of want to just like settle down and be alive. So I don't believe that, I mean, no one's in danger from this. Like, again, no one's in danger but the people, except the people that are crossing the border. Um Lots of research that the economy is not in danger. We know Americans aren't even taking jobs. Like, you know, bed and breakfast is in summer, summer, like summer restaurants, you know, on like the Cape and, and things that open just for, you know, seasonal employees, seasonal wage workers. People can't even find them. They can't even find Americans to do this stuff. They try and restaurants are closing because people don't even want to do that shit anymore. I guess people would just rather take pictures on Instagram like that girl, there's a video of a girl who has been this viral now who was sobbing because her Instagram of a hundred thousand followers was shut down and said that y'all just want to see me fail. Y'all just want to see me get a nine to five, like the 90%. Yes, bitch, the 90%. You better have a word for everybody else that you don't want to be like, I never heard of the 90% phrase like that. Anyway, all that is to say, that's my rant about this immigration non-issue, but Joy was merely speaking. Like, it's not even important what she was saying. She just had that. She was just making her point. Like, they go around the table and give different points. And then Megan started to interrupt again, which is like, mm, shut up. And Joy said, okay, wait a minute. You, you let me have my point. You let me, I let you talk. Now let me talk. And, and, um, she, no, she said, I listen to you. Now you listen to me. And then Megan goes, it's your job to listen to me, though. <laughs> I mean, just saying. Joy Behar is 75. Who are you talking to? I don't know who you're talking to. I just don't know. Like, I really don't know who you're talking to. And Whoopi just shut it down. She said, okay, what we're not going to do, let me tell you what we're not going to do. What we're not going to do 
is everybody gets their chance to speak. We're not going to sit here and comment on other things other people are saying. So Joy looked so shocked. Joy looked like that point where you were so mad that you just black out. Like you've already punched the first person in the face, like in the alternate universe that you went into. And so then your two realities are coming back together again. And you're like, wait, did she, wait, she really said that to me and I'm still sitting in my seat. Like this bitch hasn't been thrashed and handled. It was so rude. Um, That's what I really had to say about that. She's just disrespectful and it's, it's viral. It wasn't as, it wasn't like, I thought there was more to it than it was. And it's funny. And I wonder if it's kind of racialized too, because everyone made it sound like Whippy threw down, Whippy put her foot, Whippy dro- By the way that I read about the headlines before I saw the clip, I thought Whoopi like dragged Megan McCain out back, grabbed a switch off the bushes and gave her a spanking. But no, she just said, okay, what we're not going to do you know, in her whoopee way, but she, she did, she picked team joy. Cause she was like, you're not going to just comment on things other people have said, and then just make quips while they're saying their opinion. It's the view. We got views. So for more committee nonsense, um, the house judiciary committee held a hearing on online hate speech and investigating how the internet is playing a part in allowing giving people a platform for these views, inspiring things like the shooting at the mosque in Pittsburgh, even in, I mean, sorry, the synagogue in Pittsburgh and even the mosque in New Zealand. And there's also been this month, six black, historically black churches have been on fire with fires that the fire department has determined were set on purpose, which I mean, it's easy to imagine because it's just not that easy. It doesn't happen like all the time. And why would it happen to six black churches that are all historical sites? So um, in the hearing, the Republicans decided to bring, well, as a witness, Candace Owens, which is stupid, but she's black. So I guess they feel like that lends her some sort of legitimacy. And But every anyone who looks at her hair, who is a black person, knows that like, she is in the sunken place. Like you obviously just, you're so dry and unmoisturized that nothing that you have to say could possibly be representative of the black community at large, but certainly for, as a totem for Fox to trot out, um, as a pet Negro. So he said, look, Ted Lou, us uh, representative of California. He said, look, I don't know Miss Owens. I'm not going to drag her, but I am going to drag her in saying that of anyone the Republicans could have picked, they picked her. And I'm just going to play you some of her comments. And he played some of her comments from a speech she gave in um, a few months ago, in February. And this dummy said, I actually don't have an ask like about nationalism. And this was in the UK. I actually don't have a problem with the word nationalism. I think the definition gets poisoned by elites that want globalism. Globalism is what I don't want. When we say nationalism, the first thing people think about, at least in America, is Hitler. You know, he was a national socialist. But if Hitler just wanted to make Germany great and have things run well, okay, then fine. The problem is he had dreams outside of Germany. He wanted to globalize. He wanted everyone to be German. So these comments out of context sound bad. And they also sound bad in context. And she exploded at Ted Lieu, flipped the script and said, well, you obviously think that black people, I'm like, is it mainly black people he's addressing? Okay. You obviously think black people are too stupid to look up the whole clip 
and have contacts. And I'm so insulted. I said Hitler was a homicidal maniac, so he was not a nationalist. Bitch, A, I did look the whole look up the whole clip. You still sound stupid. And C, does everyone know who Candace Owens is? If you don't, she is the person who, like, Kanye West quotes. She wants to make America great again. Fox News darling. Self-hating. She's, like, the black female version of, like, an, uh, a men's rights activist or something. She's insane. So, and she also used to be, like, a liberal and talks about that, too. But... I don't trust people that make giant flips in their ideology. Like one of them is wrong. And I would say that we can tell that the second one you picked is wrong in this case. I don't know. I just never trusted people. I don't know. Like I've known people to like, they had one religion and then they became fanatical about another religion later. And I was like, how do you, you're raising your kids and not allowing them to associate with people Who's, who, that are not in this group and st- of, of worshipers of you, but like you used to believe something else. How do you confidently switch something enough to be bitchy to everyone else afterwards? I would just think have a sense of humility about it. But anyway, she's she's staunchly, you know, she gave these comments in the UK and it was in response to like Brexit. And my, there's so much to say. Like, what can we say about the fact that the Republican party feels attacked by a discussion of white nationalism. And they felt that it's just a ploy to use against, they said that it was a ploy against the, the uh, Republican party for the upcoming election. How do we get to the point where you're so closely attached to white nationalism that somebody, you know, criticizing it is a critique of you. Is that not in itself a problem? But anyway, what I want to say about Candace and this intellectual um, insincerity, what's the word I wanted to use? Maybe that's fine for now. Intellectual insincerity is that, and it's a thing that she got like from when she decided to, to posit herself as a Fox News commentator. It's a thing they do is be very ahistorical. Now, words have associations, and they have associations because of things that happen. And people have developed terms for certain concepts because of horrible things that have happened. So it is still insulting when you try to say that Hitler was bad because he wanted to kill, you know, his own people. He didn't believe that Jewish people were his own people and they lived in his country. That is the problem that is analogous to the things that are happening now. But you are pretending I mean, you are stupid, but you're, you're pretending to be even further stupid to not understand that that is the issue. Okay. So there's this thing that they do of reframing what words mean, including white nationalism, many of them. And, and then saying like, you're the elite because you think this means this. And this means that the first thing people think about in America is Hitler. If they, when you say nationalism, if that's the case, then you work with that bitch. You don't get to redefine like that is you have to work with that. There's a reason that people feel this way. There's a reason people have this association and it is insensitive for you to try to reframe it in any way. There's just some stuff you don't go there. And also you're going there from a, 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 a place that's completely devoid of, of history. So I mean, this is what they do now. Like the definition is not poisoned by elites. The definition is poisoned by national socialists like Hitler. You're, you're backwards. Hitler happened before these, you know, East coast elite hate that's happening now. 
That was before. This is now. You're not making any sense. So did I know when I listened to your comments that you weren't just saying Hitler is awesome? Yes, but you're kind of saying he was really bad, but everything that contributes to those, to a leader like that rising, let's keep that. Because you're telling over in the UK, telling people that Brexit is great, and you're telling you know people here that we need to keep our borders closed and stuff. Let's just be real about what it means to be American. It is meant for since its inception to be white. It was written into the constitution that way because the other people of color in the United States were not considered people. They were considered three-fifths of a person in law. So this is just a fact that we should just be very clear and wrestle with. So these immigration things, like I'm glad that as, you know, another, a fellow millennial, you're just like, rah, 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 like I'm here and none of the bad, none of the shit people say applies to me and my crispy edges. Like I'm just a black Fox new, like, that's so cool that you feel like you can do that because sure, 60, 50, 40 years ago, you wouldn't have been allowed in the same, you know, to walk in the same front door as like Glenn Beck. So cool. Now we have black, you know, puppets uh, and little golems on TV furthering these nasty agendas. I'm so happy that's what makes you happy. I'm sure you're paid really and compensated really well for it. I don't know how your soul is compensated, but that doesn't mean you get to just be like, I don't understand the things that people are reacting to. They're reacting to the fact that how you treat people that you want to turn away from the border and call them names this is how all genocides get started. It's in Rwanda, everywhere, by calling people names, separating them out from the community. So those people behind this, you know, man-made invisible line that's not a wall because we're not going to have a fucking wall because you're a fool and you lied and ain't nobody paying for that shit. Like, their they're compatriots inside and everyone who looks like them is now getting pulled over and asked for their citizenship, which is basically like old school asking for your freedom papers for black people walking around in the North. Everyone is having to prove their existence. Everyone is affected by certain groups getting maligned. So if we're a melting pot or whatever the fuck you want to call us, then what are our immigration policies based on? How do we get the exact number of, you know, people from this region, people from this region? And you look at it and it's like lots of race-based policies to avoid shithole countries as our president has termed it, which I just had an aneurysm because I, that really happened y'all. Like sometimes I'm like, that really happened. That happened. It That really happened. And I, and I say that not just to be like offended on a like, Ooh, how dare you insult like my country or my dad's country. I say that like, when people think this, this is how policies are written. How am I supposed to take anything you say is sincere when I know you look down on people from certain places because you said so. I don't even know how we get past some of the things we get past. And we still have to have, have these arguments and pretend they're in good faith. It's exhausting. It's truly intellectually exhausting. So I'm less interested in Candace Owens, whatever she went through spiritually. I hope she gets the help that she needs. I don't know what would make her act this way. I don't know what morally makes you feel comfortable with these being in these types of situations. However, what she does represent is someone who can talk slick and spin words around but it's furthering this agenda of complete delusion and divorce from things that have actually happened and pushing this ahistorical narrative that the right gets to push that says we were born two hours ago 
And everything we say is just in good faith talking about just, we're just nationalists. We're just patriotic. We just want to have car washes and wear our American flag bikinis. But then we want to get mad when people kneel, you know, during the national anthem, even though we put the flag on stuff like t-shirts, it's not up to flag coat. Like they, you don't get to just do that and just say everything started just now it doesn't mean anything except what I say it means and has no connection to anything else. Like, it's so frustrating. How do you argue with people who are not operating in the same realm of reality and facts as you do? You can't. And I think that's a huge part of the tactic. In fun science news, the first picture of a black hole is here. You know when you're excited about something and you sort of know what it is, but it's we like we know what it is, but it's outside of our true like able to ability to conceptualize it. That's how I feel like talking about this because I'm even reading articles that are just like okay, so in the day in the New York Post, it is the New York Post, but it says the MIT computer scientist whose algorithm led to the first black hole, her name is Katie Bowman, she's just 29. She's devoted years to the galactic quest. And, you know, of course, she wasn't really mentioned because we have a picture of a black hole for the first time. Why would we mention the woman who was behind it? But the funny thing is, that's just some feminism in there for you. But the funny thing that about this article is it says three different times she led the creation of a new algorithm to produce the first ever image. Today, that image was released. It says four different places. She led the development of the algorithm that led to the verse to capturing the image. Okay. So what I've gleaned from this is she, she led the development of an algorithm that would lead to the, how I know what an algorithm is, but how, and the fact that this article didn't even attempt to explain how, but also the fact that I'm supposed to read it and feel informed like about anything except for that. I mean, I know who was responsible for the picture. I have no idea how the picture of the black hole was taken by reading this. And I just think that's funny. Like, they didn't even try. They were like, I'm going to repeat these words because they're correct facts. And I have no, I have no ability to clarify or contextualize. Her algorithm led to the image. So anyway, black hole. This is the first time we've ever been able to see a picture of it. Um, I'm going to find some information about it, but not from this, this New York times article I'm reading is just like very poetic. This person is like going in. Um, so black holes are a place where the gravity is so extreme that nothing, not even light can escape across the boundary at the black hole's edge, which is known as the event horizon, which is also a movie that I believe stars Lawrence Fishburne. Um, let me confirm. I had a crush on Lawrence Fishburne when I was like very, very young. Yep. I, it was inappropriate looking back now that I think about it. Um, but yes, he's in that movie. So this black hole is located in the heart of a galaxy called Messier 87. It's spelled Messier. I'm just going to say Messier, which is some 55 million light years away from Earth. So this picture is huge because it's huge for physics because it helps verify Einstein's theory of re relativity. Uh, the picture looks like he thought it would. And it is like 
they basically said that if too much matter is crammed into one place, then the force of gravity becomes overwhelming and it becomes like a trap where things collapse into themselves. Look, if you've ever heard me give a disclaimer on explaining something, this is going to be the one. I did take a class in college called, what was it called? It was a cosmology course and it was about dark matter and stuff like that. But it was, um, it was a freshman seminar. So it was geared like not, it was towards people who are like going to concentrate in physics. It's kind of like a more general approach to stuff, but you can get a science credit. So we just did a lot of like calculating redshift and it was hard as it was hard. That was very difficult. Okay. They kicked my ass and I just like reading science fiction stuff. So that's was my attraction. Like I like reading about it, like contact. Cool. But the, ooh, the equations, not fun, honey. Anyway, this is really cool, but also just so it just makes you think like what's inside what this really has to be the way you get to the other dimensions, right? You, you gotta, we gotta, we gotta get a way to get inside of there. How will we really know what happens? Because maybe when you're sucked inside and like dragged in like a star and shot out as something else, that sounds like, like a rebirth, right? It sounds, it doesn't sound as destructive as I, it, I, I read that Einstein didn't like the idea. He thought it was kind of like a depressing idea. And I wonder why that is. I have to look more into that. I'm not sure if it's because it's just they're destructive black holes or because it's kind of like, oh, isn't, why would this be in the universe if the universe is this? Like, it's, it's just dysfunctional thing. Like, why is it, why is this happening? Um, but it sounds like cool. I'm just looking at these pictures. I didn't, and they shoot stuff back out sometimes. Like, don't you want to go in a black hole and come back out? No, is it time for bed? Is it time for my bed? Maybe. I haven't given you any reality TV in a while and there's some series that were on and I just waited. I'm, I'm glad I waited. I watched like seven episodes of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills this weekend it was delicious. Um, just finishing up my menstrual cycle, lying in bed with a good binge watch. Who? There's nothing better. So thank you. Thank you to me for the good decision to not wait week to week. If I had, I might have been a little bored, but as a whole, the entire picture is hilarious. So Dorit Kemsley, who is has an accent that I just find, it's, it feels like I put on glue-on nails and drag them across my eyeballs. Pikai, Lisa, Pikai, but she's fun. And, you know, in some ways I do relate to her because her hair is different, like a different, she'll have a new hair piece on the in like several times in one day. Like she'll go upstairs and come down for dinner with like a different wig on and everyone's gagged and confused. And I'm just like, yes, we're white women representing weave on TV. Great. But she had a dog from Lisa Vanderpump's, uh, like dog rescue shelter that she's opened up. She had a, got a dog for her family. The dog bit her children and her, and it bit her. And she's like small, like a two-year-old and like a one-year-old. It bit her kids and then it bit her husband in the face. And so she found the dog a home, like who someone caring and loving, she thought, but then the dog ended up back at a shelter. So this storyline is the entire crux of a season of television that a woman gave a dog back and people are like, oh. 
No, I know it is traumatizing to animals to like give them away once you adopt them. But if they're biting your family. So anyway, it ended up as a shelter. And then Lisa Vanderpump was like, well, that makes, you know, it reflects poorly upon her business. And how did one of Vanderpump's dogs end up in a shelter? And everyone around town is going to know. And then Dorit, who again, I think she's, she's half Israeli, but I don't even think she grew up abroad. I think it's she like one of her, I don't know. She has like a slight reason to have an accent, but you know, when the accent you have is like completely made up. No. Cause I don't know that. I don't know either. That's actually not a thing, but that's what happened to her. So she's like, if anyone around town finds out that I gave an animal back, if, if anyone finds out you're cruel to animals, Lisa, Lisa, if anyone finds out you're cruel to animals, you're finished. So apparently that's just death to your reputation in Beverly Hills, which I think is amazing. But the idea that what do you do with a dog that bites anyway? Like I'm very laissez-faire with animals. Animals are animals. If they bite you, it's not really their fault. Like they're animals. How, you know, like that woman that tried to take a selfie with like the cheetah, I was really glad they didn't kill the cat. I'm glad they both got out alive, but it's annoying when people, you know, perturb dangerous animals and then the animals have to get shot. It's like they're just being animals. Dogs, it's a little bit of a different problem because aren't they like, don't we breed them to live with us? Like they're not, there's not just like, I was going to say Pikachus. I don't know why. I meant like, you know, little like Chihuahua terrier mixes and fluffy little cloud looking like Bichon Frises running around outside in the bushes. I think those are like bred to be that way. So I don't know where they go, but it, I don't think it's your job to like work it out with an animal that's biting you. Like you could give it somewhere. So I am surprised that she even found a family to take it on anyway, but it was just like the way she had to talk about it was like, we got a dog and it wasn't the right fit. No shit, bitch. It's not the right fit. It's biting you. <laughs> bitch, her husband in the face. Like, took a chunk out of his nose. It's so crazy. So, I mean, it's just every stereotype of, like, wealth in Beverly Hills that you could imagine. Like, and, and pet, you know, pet fetishizing and putting your pets on this pedestal above human beings is so hilarious. And then just, like, a so this, this scandal reverberated throughout the season. And then apparently like Lisa Vanderpump put a ad or she spoke to her source for some tabloid. And then the tabloid put a story out about it. And then Kyle Vanderpump is like, well, it's not like she hasn't leaked stuff to the press before. And then Kyle and Lisa have this crazy falling out and they have this, like this, uh, confrontation in Lisa's kitchen. And afterwards, Lisa decides to remodel her kitchen to get rid of the negative energy. So the preview for next week, she has a sledgehammer to the kitchen and she's telling the contractor, oh, and right here, I've just had this terrible moment right here. I just want to get all, rid of all the energy and make it bright and make some, do something really gorgeous. What? <laughs> like, I live. It's so outlandish and I love it and I can't stop. It's just teetering. Like it's weird because then you, I actually don't like to read blogs. Like a lot of people read all the blogs about the show. And so people will read the press and actually know what's happening in these 
housewife shows particularly, because real shit's happening. People are getting divorced. They're dying. They're having cancer. They're surviving cancer. Like all these things are happening. I usually don't like to read it as a spoiler, but I'm so interested in how these things teeter on the precipice of reality. Like these are real friends. They do have real fallings out. Like some of the things are be real, but then at the same time, you're talking about you're about to remodel your kitchen because you had a fight in your kitchen. I, I mean, delicious. Just so stupid. I highly recommend. All right, show all. That's it for another episode of Cake and Kombucha. Thank you so much for sticking it out with me this quiet storm episode. And please subscribe on Apple. We're also on Podcast, Spotify. We're on Spotify, not Podcast. I don't know. I don't know her. I don't know her. Subscribe on Apple. Subscribe on Spotify. We're on Google Play. We're on SoundCloud. We're any place podcasts are sold for free. And please, please also leave a review. Cake and Kombucha is recorded, produced, and edited by Kilechi Azia. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you want to hear more of Melanie's music, please visit Spotify or hit her up on her website, melaniejbcharles.com, to find out about live music and touring. What